0: Hi there and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end but for now enjoy the teaching. But it is Pentecost Sunday and if you remember two weeks ago I said that in this series we're going to jump over Acts chapter 2. We're going to hit the pause button. The you know Acts two, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit uh, is poured out on the early church. I said we would circle back to look at uh, the arrival of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost weekend, which is the dude. It's it's today Pentecost. It's this you know ancient Jewish feast of Pentecost, uh, fifty days after Passover, Pentecost. Penta. Uh, the, uh, Passover was when Jesus was crucified, just to give you sort of a sense of some time there. And, and my assumption today, as I look out at all of you, my assumption for our online viewers is that there are probably no Orthodox Jews here today. Um, and what I'm getting at there is uh, it would make sense that celebrations like uh, Passover and Pentecost probably don't, you know, probably don't register deeply for a bunch of uh, Western, 21st century Westerners. Uh, I think we're familiar with the words Pentecost, Passover, etc., but but I don't think they would uh, stir us up the way that they would or have impact uh, the way they would to an Orthodox Jew or for sure to a first century Jew during the time of this story. And that's because for them, uh, Pentecost, Passover had, had very deep meaning because they were connected to pivotal historical events Uh, uh, as a people group when God acted on their behalf. And so Passover was connected to, if you remember way back in the book of Exodus, uh, it's connected to a time uh, where they were protected. The Israelites were protected from God's judgment that was about to fall on the Egyptians, the death of their firstborn. And uh, uh, the God's angel of death, right, was gonna come and do this. uh, But when he came to the Israelites' homes, it says that he passed over them. Why did he do that? Well, he did that because the people of Israel they did what God told them to do, and that was to sacrifice a lamb and to take the blood of that lamb and smear it on the wood of their of their of the doorposts. And then when the angel of death saw that wood, they uh, he passed over their home. Okay, Passover, and then you have Pentecost which really is connected uh, to two events. Uh, first, it was, it was really a festival of, of recognizing God's provision, God's provision of food. In the Old Testament, Pentecost was also known as the Feast of Harvest, also known as the Day of the First Fruits, when the people would be gathering in their first barley harvest. And this festival was a festival really to say thank you to God for his, his faithful provision, but Pentecost was also connected uh, to a story back in Exodus, really the first Pentecost after the first Passover, what I just talked about, when God, if you're familiar with this story, when God came down from heaven dun, 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 with smoke and with fire, earthquake, thunder and lightning, it would have been so frightening for the people, but he came down from heaven to the top of Mount Sinai, if you're familiar with this story, and uh, he met there with Moses And he gave him, besides other things, he gave him the Ten Commandments, he gave them the law. So so the times of Passover and Pentecost would have been loaded with historical meaning for them, but not so much for us. Is that fair fair to say? Yeah, thank you. And uh, so let me start, let me set the stage for today's talk. As we look at Acts 2, as we look at this, the day of Pentecost, as we look at the arrival uh, of the Holy Spirit to grasp the significance of this event, We need to see today, we need to see Pentecost the same way that we see some other key biblical events. Here's what I mean. We need to see Pentecost the same way we see Genesis 1 and 2. Let there be light. Creation. And and especially creation of Adam and Eve, the first humans, made in God's image, male and, and female. And they were, you know, made in God's image to really to be in relationship with him. Perfect relationship with God. And so in the beginning, we see Adam and Eve and in the garden, and, and they are there with God. We also need to see Pentecost the same way that we see Christmas, right? You can read the story there in Luke 2, amongst others. And uh, at the time, remember, the angels come and they light up the night sky and they, you know, they come to these lowly shepherds and they say basically, hey, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. And in this story, you know, God is sending his son Jesus to the people who are no longer in relationship with, with him. And so he sent Jesus, he's come to earth to be with us. We need to see Pentecost the same way that we see uh, Good Friday and Easter. You can read that story in Matthew 27, 28, uh, where Jesus, the son of God, obediently pays the price, dies on the cross, you know, pays our sin debt on the cross so that now we, and really now all humanity, can be Uh, or or can have relationship with God restored forever. And so when I'm talking about Pentecost, Acts 2, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, it is right up there with creation, with Christmas, with Good Friday, with Easter. And I say that because of this, because in all three of those events, we see a God who is super relational, don't we? We see a God who seems to go to any length to be with us. To be close to us, you know, pursuing us. And I say that at the time of Pentecost in the story of Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit comes, God takes his level of pursuit of us, God takes his level of relationship with us to a whole new level. So I've entitled my talk today, God With Us. And before we look at the passage, let's pray, and then we will jump in. So Lord, I thank you for, well, happy Pentecost to you. Uh, Holy Spirit, would you come upon us today? Like We, we pray that all the time, but I, just, I pray that especially today. Holy Spirit, would you come upon us like you did back in this story? Would you come and refresh us with your presence? Would you come and awaken us with your very real presence? Lord, just come fill this room. Come do what you want to do. We welcome you here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Acts chapter two, if you want to follow along, it'll also be on the, well, there it is, uh, on the screens. Let me read it. This is verses one to 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Okay, that's the story that may or may not be uh, a story that's familiar to you, but it's uh, it's a super exciting story. So our first point simply is this, after reading that story, is number one is what happened. So what happened? What happened in this story? Well, first off, something that I find super encouraging is what happened in this story is God kept his promise. That's what happened in this story. If you remember back in Acts 1, verse 4, Jesus said to his followers, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So the early church did as they were told. They, they gathered, they waited, and then God did what he said he was going to do. He kept his promise and sent the Holy Spirit. And you know, this week as I was studying up and preparing, it jumped out at me uh, thinking about Pentecost, like, why did he send the Holy Spirit on that day, right? Like, he could have sent the Holy Spirit any day. For that matter, you know, Jesus could have died on any day, but he, he died on the day of the celebration of, of Passover. Why is it that God seems to connect these sig- super significant events to known festivals, to the Jewish people, etc.? Well, I think what he's doing is he's helping them and he's helping us to understand more fully what, you know, what actually is happening in these events. So take Passover when, you know, Jesus dies in the day of Passover. What was their understanding of Passover? It was, okay, Passover, it's, you know, you sacrifice a lamb and you smear its blood on wood, on the wooden doorposts. And when judgment comes to fall on the people, it passes over them because of that sacrificed lamb. Huh. I don't know. I'm, not, you know, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but that sounds a lot like the cross, doesn't it? So, you know, we, we see that in, in Passover. And then when we look at Pentecost, God chooses the day of Pentecost. Think of what I said about it earlier. He chooses the day of Pentecost to come down from heaven with, you know, and, and really in a frightening way. I mean, you know, the sound of a violent wind and fire. Fire, you know, tongues of fire on people's heads, and and you know, them knowing it's the day of Pentecost, you know that they would have, they would have thought, hey, this kind of looks a lot like what we, you know, they would have they would have made the connection as the Holy Spirit arrived. And this is not the first time in the Bible that we meet the Holy Spirit. In fact, we meet him pretty on in this pretty we meet him early on in the story, second verse of the first book in Genesis 1, it says this. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the water. Such a great image. And all throughout the Old Testament, when we when we see the Holy Spirit, almost every time he shows up, it's accompanied with a, with a phrase. And here's what I mean: Judges 14:6 says, The Spirit of the Lord. Came powerfully upon him, so that da, 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 da. and what I mean is, all throughout the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit shows up, <clears throat> uh, what what we see is, you know, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Gideon, and he does this. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Deborah, and she like all through the Old Testament, it's over and over. And wherever the Spirit of God shows up, what happens? There's power. There's bravery. There's Wisdom, there's creativity, there's there's just amazing, amazing miracles that are going on. Now, remember, I think you left that frog up here. There you go, he's gone. All you know, remember that the Holy Spirit, as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, remember that He is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And and you know, there's a word that we use. If you were raised in the church, you are very familiar with the word Trinity. A way that we try to explain God and how he's revealed himself to it. That word isn't in the Bible. But what we do see in the Bible are lots of different sections that point to God as one God revealed in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and then uh, God the Holy Spirit. And, and let's be honest. I mean, when I look at that, I go, okay, God the Father, I get that. Like in, in the sense of, even if you had a broken image of a father." right? You still understand that fatherly role. Or Jesus as the son, which would make him our brother. Like, okay, I get that. I have three older brothers. I Boy, I totally get that, right? But then when you get to the Holy Spirit, it's like, you know, he's like the, like, it's just hard to understand who the Holy Spirit is, isn't it? It's hard to grasp just like who he is, what he does, and like, where is he? Well, you know, it's, it's so hard to understand. And, and you realize one of the reasons when you look in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word used for, for the Holy Spirit, for spirit, the Hebrew word is ruach. In the New Testament, the Greek word is pneuma. And it means wind, breath, and spirit. Like, I look at that and I go, you know, no, no wonder it's hard to understand him. Because like, you know, I, I have felt the wind, I have seen the effects of the wind, but have you ever seen the wind? Like yesterday afternoon, maybe like many of you, I was sitting out on our deck enjoying what I thought was just a gorgeous day. And we have a wind chime in the back and I was thinking about my sermon and I was looking at the, w- the wind chime, ding, 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 you know, it's going along. And, and it's like, that looks kind of weird because it looked like someone was holding that little, you know, the little wind catcher thing on the bottom. It looked like someone was just going like this. And I'm like, that is kind of weird. <laughs> because I don't see, you know, I don't see who's doing that. But someone, or someone, you know what I mean? The wind, the wind is doing that. So it's no, it's no wonder we struggle to understand wind. And, you know, if, uh, I think of different movies come to mind that try to help us understand spirit and stuff. Like, I mean, many, if not all, were raised on Star Wars. Use the force, Master Luke, right? And we see that, and and, and, and really, Star Wars is taken from, are there any Dune fans? That's where, you know, like, if, if you're a Dune If you're a Dune fan, we see the original Jedi, the Benny Jesserit. And so if you're not familiar with that, I'll just go keep going. But read those books. They're excellent. But but he's just trying to understand this this unseen world. And I think one of the reasons we struggle to understand the Holy Spirit is because we are Westerners. And we have very Western, logical, scientific, you know, if I doesn't come with an Ikea breakdown, I don't believe it. So there's very little space in our brains for the spirit realm, for the supernatural. When I was a teenager, I lived in Papua New Guinea where witch doctors were common. Angels and demons and crazy things. It was just, it's just another day to them. They had big space in their brains to believe this. We don't as Westerners and God knows that. And he knows that we struggle with that. And yet Jesus said to his followers back in the book of John, as he was getting them ready to receive the Holy Spirit. He said this in John 16, 7, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, another name for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And go he did, and also did he. That's for, come on, that's pretty good. Okay. Tough crowd, tough crowd. I know my parents enjoyed that, didn't you, mom, dad? But it's true. So he did, Holy Spirit came. So number one is, what happened? Well, what happened simply was this young church gathered to pray, to wait on God, and suddenly the Holy Spirit fell. And what was the result? What was the result of the Holy Spirit arriving? Number two, well, there was a great harvest, a great harvest. And again, in this story, you know, think about this. Again, God keeps his promise to us. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And boy, oh boy, is that, I mean, is that not what's happening in this story? The Holy Spirit falls on his people. And I mean, witnesses, they become witnesses. And I think an incredibly Amazing way, verse 4 says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Like the Holy Spirit falls on them, and and, and you can read this later. According to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, what the Holy Spirit does is He gives the people gathered there, He gives them the spiritual gift of tongues or other languages. Now, I'm not going to talk about tongues it's so easy to explain. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it, but I would encourage you, if you have questions about it, go to our website, vcdc.org, search the series, uh, it's called Unwrapped series, where we looked at spiritual gifts, and search. Heather did a talk called Mouth of God, and it's super helpful for that, so it's, check that out. But what, we, but what we know for sure is that all these people could suddenly, as the Spirit came upon them, suddenly they're speaking all these Different languages, known languages. And it's like, hey, and what a coincidence, right? Of all the days for this to happen, what a coincidence. Suddenly Jerusalem is filled with people from, what did it say, from every nation under heaven. All these people who speak all these different languages are there in Jerusalem, and this happens. And a little later in the story, we looked at this a couple weeks ago, After this happens, Peter gets up and gives this sermon. And 3,000 people say, yes, I believe. I want to follow this Jesus that you're talking about. And when I look at that, right? And again, coming back to why this day? Why did you you do this on the day of Pentecost? Think about their people's understanding of Pentecost. Not only was it Mount Sinai, right? But it was also a feast of harvest. Pentecost was also the, the day of the first fruits. And you don't think the people went, wait a minute, right? And the disciples are going, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus used to always talk about harvest, right? The fields are ripe with harvest, but he wasn't talking about the grain or he was talking about people, wasn't he? It was people. And they're like, wow, look at this harvest. What is God? What is God up to? And, and so what can we learn from this story? Well, Uh, the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit in me will give us whatever we need to accomplish whatever God has given us to do. And if you were here last week and Andrew did just a great job looking at uh, a story in Acts three, remember the story where Peter and John, or, you know, they're going up to the temple to pray. And there's a guy on the steps, a lame man, and he's, and he's begging for money. And, and it says this in, in Acts 3, verse 6. It says, then Peter said, as they came up to this gentleman, silver, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And last weekend, as Andrew was, was reading that story, and especially reading that verse, I was just sitting there thinking, <clears throat> wow, look at, look at the freedom Peter had in this interaction. And, and here's what I mean. He's looking at this guy who obviously needs money. And he looks at him and goes, hey, sorry, man. I don't have any money. I don't have what you need. And you know, it, you know, and if I was Peter, I'd be like, let's get out of here, John. <laughs> let's, let's get into it. But, but you don't, Peter doesn't seem stressed at all about the fact that he doesn't have what this guy needs. In fact, he follows it with just this amazing statement. Hey, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I gladly give it to you. And really, what does he do? He prays for the guy in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, uh, uh, walk, right? And when, when I look at that, I go, hey, there's something important here Because, how many times have you been in a situation with, like, it could be like a friend at school, it could be, you know, someone at work, someone at home, a neighbor, or or even a total stranger, or maybe when we gather on the weekend, or when you gather during the week in small groups, or, you know, maybe you're praying for someone and, and you're talking, and this person has a need. And their need is like so beyond you. Like, have you ever been in those situations where you're talking with someone who has, you know, maybe they have a question about something and you're like, I don't have a clue <laughs> how to answer that. I need to go. I need to find someone else to talk to, right? Or, or it's like maybe they have a they have a uh, a need of provision. They need money, or they need uh, they need a job, or they need a spouse, or they need or they need or they need counsel. They need wisdom. And you're have you ever experienced that where you're listening to someone and you're like. Please stop talking because you're just, you're, you're, it's like their need is just weighing you down. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you just feel so inadequate. Well, here's something amazing about what this verse shows us. Listen to this quote We cannot do heavenly work with earthly power, we need heavenly power to do the work God has given us to do. And so we pray, Come, Holy Spirit, empower us. See, Peter learned a lesson that day. And if if Peter was here today talking, first thing he'd say is, hey, thanks for having me. Um, Okay, I thought that was pretty good. But but Peter would say this. Peter would say to us, right? Here's what I learned. He would say, hey, you guys, stop focusing on what you don't have. And start focusing on what, on who you do have. And give him away. Right? Stop focusing on what you don't have. Right? It's, it's learning to live this life. It's learning to live this life as spirit-filled people. Right? Give away, give him away. And in Acts 2, the people, they're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do something that's humanly impossible in order to accomplish what God was doing and the result Again, was a great harvest. And you know, in, in, in this story, Luke, who wrote Acts, he says something that I think is such a key. It's just a few words, but it's so key. And, and he's reminding them, he's, and he's reminding us where this incredible ability came from. It says in verse four, as the Spirit enabled them. Like, that's a really good reminder. And as I read this story, you know, a question started to form in my mind. I don't know if you're like this, but it's kind of like, if this is all true, right? These are just These weren't super people in the story. They were people just like you, just like me. If this is all true, that you know, God filling his people with with the Holy Spirit and then using them in such an incredible way, that the question that came into my mind, and this is our third point, is, hey, so are we living as spirit-filled people? Like, church, are we experiencing anything close to this as we go about just the stuff of our lives? Now, uh, I recognize for some people when you ask questions like that, it stirs feelings of failure, right? It stirs feelings of uh, like really condemning thoughts regarding my church, my Christianity performance, my my P file or whatever you'd call it, my report card. And and I don't don't want <clears throat> to won't ask for a show of hands, but I bet I'm not the only one in the room who who gets a little anxious around questions like this. But and I don't mean it at all, and you'll see in a second here, I don't mean that at all to condemn anyone. I'm going somewhere with this. I think these condemning feelings and thoughts are actually helpful in understanding what I'm about to say. Uh, I read an article recently. um, uh, It was from 2021. It's from a TV station up in Cleveland, a news station, And, and here's a little bit of the article. Here's what it says. Winning the lottery is a dream for many, So you may be surprised by how many winning tickets that remain unclaimed. According to the Ohio Lottery, more than $25.1 million in still eligible Ohio Lottery prizes remained unclaimed through April 14, 2021. That's $25 million worth of prizes that our winners are missing out on. So obviously we would love for them to claim those prizes. Ohio Lottery Communications Director Danielle Frizzybab said. Now, it's a funny name, isn't it? I laugh too. That's why I left it in the quote, because I wanted to say it. I wanted to say it to you, Frizzybab. That's awesome. It begs a lot of questions. But, but where am I going with this? So when I read that article in the context of Pentecost and what we're talking about today, uh, here's where my mind went. And it might sound strange at first, (laughs) but I thought, you know what? If I was God's enemy, right? If I was God's enemy, if I was out to get God, to stop God, the first thing I would do is I would recognize that I'm not going to stop him. That he's just way too powerful. He's way up there and I'm way down here. So it's not going to happen. But then the next thing I would do is I would, you know, in recognizing that, uh, instead of going after him, what I would do is I would go after his prized possession, which is, who's that? It's us. It's people. It's 7 point whatever billion people on this planet. And I would do everything in my limited power to keep all those people from claiming their God-given winnings. I'd do my best each day to hide all the winning tickets. Does that make sense? And really, when you consider the work of the enemy, that's, he's, he, he doesn't want us to know how loved we are. He doesn't want you to know that you're forgiven for every sin you've committed, whatever you're struggling with right now, whatever you're gonna, you know, sins you're gonna commit, you are forgiven. He doesn't want you to know that he can't wait for you to experience more the spirit-filled life as you go about your everyday life. So if I was the enemy, I wouldn't want that to happen. And that's what we see all throughout the Bible. We see, again, Genesis, creation, God, God creates Adam and Eve. And why did he make them? Because he needed help? No, he made them because he just, he just wanted them to be with Him. What a relational God. He just wanted them to be with him. And the enemy goes, whoa, 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 I got to stop this. So the enemy deceived Adam and Eve and that closeness with God. That winning ticket, if you will, was taken away from Adam and Eve. Hey, right? And suddenly they're, they're separated from God. Then, you know, we jumped to Christmas and God sent his son Jesus to come to the earth to be with us, to rescue us. He goes to the cross to remove the blindness, to remove the barrier to, you know, to help us to help us see the ticket. And I don't have time to get into this, but it's almost like you look at Jesus and you go, oh, there's the ticket. Really, he's the ticket. But Jesus comes and does that. And again, the enemy goes, whoa, I can't let this happen. And so, you know, it says in the Bible, it says that he, the enemy, the, the God of this world, small g, is, has blinded the people. He, he wants to blind them so that they don't see this amazing gift that Jesus is offering. And then let's be honest, today, do we not struggle to, to find those winning tickets and to, and to live, to claim those winning tickets. And I would say in my own life, and this is probably uh, accurate for you, well, you know what, really, it seems like I find that ticket for seasons of my life. There's periods where I, you know, I, I, I got it, I got it. And then phew, it's like, well, I don't know where it went, but, but I've lost it again. And why is that? Well, it's because we have an enemy who does not want us to discover The incredible life God offers to every human being. This side of heaven, as you live each day, as you live each day, whether you feel it or not, you know He wants us all to experience living life as a spirit-filled Christian, like being a spiritual millionaire, if 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 you will. And see, that's why I say Pentecost is just like these other stories, but takes it to a whole new level. Because what we see in the, you know, is God with us or us with God, God with us. But it can't Pentecost. This relationship goes to a whole new level because with the Spirit coming now, it's God in us, the Holy Spirit in us. And notice in this story, who did the Holy Spirit fill? Okay, well, it would have just been the disciples, right? That's well, no, that's not what it says. Okay, well then, okay, first century, it would have just been the men. That's who the Spirit would have filled. Is that true? It doesn't say that. Oh, well, 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 then it would have just been the adults, you know, 19 and over or whatever, right? It doesn't say that. What does it say? When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. <clears throat> they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Well, what does that say? That says it wasn't just the disciples. It wasn't just the men. It wasn't just the adults. All of them were filled. I bet there were middle schoolers and high schoolers there. I bet there were babies there. And I don't know what to do with that. I don't think babies suddenly, Spraken Sie Deutsch? Like, I don't think... I don't think, yeah, I don't know know why it would have been, that'd be pretty awesome. I I believe, I believe. But but what we, but the Holy Spirit fell on all of them. So let me end this way. Why don't we have the worship team come back? I love in this story, and uh, when we get into Peter's sermon, he drives this incredible truth home, this incredible truth of God's, you know, inviting generosity, if you will, In his sermon, Peter says in verse 14, he says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, if it was ten, no, okay, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Again, another promise. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So let me ask you a question. Is there anyone here? And are you a son or a daughter? Anyone? If you don't, up, if you don't put up your hand, we need to talk. Okay, but... So here's, here's, here's what I'm saying. Here's God, if I could speak for God right now, right? And, I, and let me use some of the language from, the, from the, uh, that news article. He would say to you, son, daughter, whether you think you deserve it or not, whether you think you've earned it or not, uh, your winning ticket is still eligible. Will you claim it? will you claim it? Uh, Son, daughter, in my eyes, you are a winner. And it grieves me that you are missing out on your prize, the prize that I've given. Uh, I would love nothing more than for you today to claim your prize. So we're going to go back into worship. Uh, If you want to take communion, there's elements at the front and the back. You know, once a month we take it together, but this weekend you're on your own to take communion. Uh, as we're worshiping of God, if you feel like God drops a thought or something in your heart, a verse, something that you think might be for the for the group today, uh, come on over here, Andrews, over here, you can talk to him. Uh, but as we prepare our hearts, why don't we stand up? As we prepare our hearts uh, to go back into worship, I want us to go back into worship with expectation. And so could we, before we worship, could we just read this prayer I came across this week? Let's read this. Let's read this together. Here we go. Oh God, forgive us for being content with our own resources. Help us to recognize our poverty and then call to you for the riches of the power of the Holy Spirit. And once we ask, help us to expect you to answer and provide. Help us to continue ever in sincere, heartfelt prayer, knowing that without you, nothing good will happen in our lives. May our sails be full with the wind of your spirit as we carry out high adventures for your glory in your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.